As it's a big weekend for rugby fans, there is, of course, the men's World Cup semi-final involving the All Blacks on Saturday morning. Up against Argentina, they are. But there's another international involving New Zealand's top rugby team on Saturday nights, and it's in Wellington. The Black Ferns will meet France in the opening test of the new... Uh, WXV tournaments. It'll be the first time the teams have faced up since the Black Ferns edged out France in last year's Rugby World Cup semi-final by one point. You'll remember that last second penalty goal by France that unfortunately from their perspective missed and the rest is history. To tell us more about the new tournament and how it'll work, Sally Horrocks, she's Chief of Women's Rugby at World Rugby. Good morning Sally. Good morning, Catherine. Nice to be with you. Hey, well, look, just kick off by telling people what they can experience here in New Zealand over the next week or two. Uh, if they uh, get onto it, when does the, the, the tournament get underway here? It's uh, very soon. Yeah, well, it's your opening weekend for WXV, so it kicks off tonight. I'm calling you from Europe, so it's late at night for me Thursday, but early morning for you. So it kicks off for you tonight. And uh, I mean, it should be incredible. I've been really excited for this for the last 12 months since I left New Zealand after the Women's Rugby World Cup. So a year on, we're launching uh, our new flagship Women's 15 competition. Um, We've got 18 of the top uh, countries in the world playing in it, and the top six are in New Zealand. So over the next three weekends, you've got nine test matches, you've got three match weekends, You've got, it's all stats this, Catherine, you've got six teams um, and you're playing across three venues. So in Wellington this weekend, in Dunedin next weekend, and then the big finale in Auckland final weekend, the first week in November. Well, look, I appreciate that World Rugby's got a bit going on at the moment, including a rather large uh, tournament in, in, in Europe that we're all attracted to. But has it been a little bit low key, given the vibe that built up around that World Cup? We were a little um, bit low key in letting people know about this, Sally. Yeah, it's it's a fair comment, Catherine, in terms of, you know, the amount of rugby. Um, But, you know, if you're a fan and you love rugby, it's great to have more rugby. The challenge for us is obviously in giving enough oxygen and enough space for both the men's and the women's game. Um, But when we scheduled this competition a couple of years ago, um, you know, we were always aware that there would be a clash with the Rugby World Cup, but post-COVID, the dates changed, which made it pretty difficult. So, you know, we the leagues had already committed. We talked with our union partners. We talked about whether we could shift it a little bit to give it a bit of clear space, but it just wasn't possible. Um, and I suppose for the stage of development of the women's game, we felt that we couldn't wait. We felt that it was really critical a year on from the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand that we give these teams and these athletes, you know, a great opportunity to play more top class test match rugby so that's what drove us to to really put the effort the energy and the investment behind it. well maybe some cheap entry fees or free entry fees will help get the crowds out because that was the buzz last time um and people know this is a great sport but you know you've got you've got to give people a hand sometimes uh when there's a clash like the one right now let's talk about how big it is actually compared to what went before it before it these periodic test matches i think the i know there was the, the COVID interference but i think the black ferns went a couple of years um without an international and so to seize on the momentum this is a massive step this is a very big tournament that is professionalizing the women's game in a sense can you explain the structure and how it will work in different places around the world and then come together in a head-to-head contest sally 
Yeah. Now, what, what we've done is we've put together three tiers of six union teams because you're you're right, Catherine. They, you know, there is not enough rugby played by these these amazing women around the world. So we've we've tiered the competition into three tiers. So we have a top six in uh, New Zealand. We have the second tier of six playing in South Africa, and we have the third tier of six playing in Dubai. So each one plays in its own tier. So those six teams uh, in New Zealand will play each other. So France, Wales and England uh, will play Canada, Australia and New Zealand and they'll play cross pool. But that means they're getting more test matches. Otherwise, they have to wait sometimes for four years for a Rugby World Cup to come around. And the same will happen in tier two and the same will happen in tier three. So you'll stay within your own tier and then you'll come out on points as a champion of your tier. So just again, and I know there's a great little video that explains this. We might even get a link up to that on our website, please, if someone can arrange that. A great little video that explains it. Um, there's not a lot. It, it just It's going to basically, you play within your tier and then, it's not within yep. your tier, you'll play within your region at three different tiers, correct? You, you play within your region to qualify for the Got competition. You. Got you. You qualify for your, so, so basically... Every union within a region should have a route through to WXV. It gives you a route through to this new global comp, WXV, and WXV eventually gives you a route through to the World Cup in 2025. So you qualify through your region, depending on where you finish, you either play in, play in Tier 1 or in Tier 2 or in Tier 3. Understood. There's no promotional relegation in the first cycle of WXV, first division anyway. I think there might be at third division level, am I right? Yeah, you can go. You can go down from two to three, and up from three to two. So you, there's an interchangeability there. So there's a big incentive if you're in tier three to move up to two. And also, those regional regional teams coming up can also play off to get up into WXV three. So the idea is we create as open a pathway as we can for new emerging unions, so they feel like they've got something to aspire to. The three divisions are played in different parts of the world, and is that also in part to, to, to increase the global diversity of the game? For people to, uh, for, you know, there's the top teams, but then for teams that aren't yet up in that league, for them and their populations to experience this. Yeah, yeah no, you're spot on. I mean, women's rugby is growing fast, but not enough people know about it, and not enough girls and women have the opportunity to play so it's also about visibility for the women's game you know we want to take it around the world we want to yeah give those teams and athletes the opportunity to play on a bigger showcase on a world stage we want those fans and our commercial partners to have a framework to grow the game to invest in the game so it's really important that we take it on the road um, around the world what sort of level of commercial partnership do you have after a massively successful world cup have you got some new signups yeah we have um yeah so thank you for asking because it's important that you know the partners get that visibility and we support them just as they support us. So MasterCard have been a long-standing partner of the game, Capgemini as well. But since the World Cup, Gallagher, a big insurance companies come on board globally to support women in rugby and women in leadership and our showcase comps and Mitsubishi Electric as well. So those are the four sort of anchor partners at the moment, but we're on a big build now to, towards Rugby World Cup 25 and there's a high level of interest. And what you want is partners that are not just going to to invest in the competition but invest in the deep roots of growing the game. Now will this always be played in October and November? This is after regional competitions wind up in July. Is that how it works? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. You have the regional window in the spring, earlier in the year, well, depending which hemisphere you're in. Um, and then we have that global window across October and November. So we get regularity and consistency and people know where they're heading. New and Zealand, they can plan their leave. Yeah. New Zealand selected to host the first competition. Was this before or after what happened last year? <laughs> Great question. The conversation has already started, but um, but the actual contracts were signed afterwards. Um, but the way New Zealand welcomed us, you know, and all the teams from around the world um, played a big part in that. I mean, the, your fans, our fans were fantastic and the passion was great. And it was almost as, as if I think the country fell in love. I mean, you're already a mad rugby nation, but, uh, you know, as if um, New Zealand's fell in love with, you know, women's rugby. So that opportunity for greater momentum um, and also to take the game out to the whole nation. Um, if you remember, we were in Auckland and Whangarei, and now we're through Wellington, Dunedin and Auckland, which is um, which is great for us, we think. All right, so look, there's no doubt about the product. That got proven a year ago. Those ticket prices are, you know, they're an interesting price at a time. People can watch a lot of World Cup rugby on free-to-air, actually, or, or on their Sky television. So maybe that is something for organisers to think about over the next while. But it's underway. Thank you for telling us about it. We will put links up with all the information people need on our website. And he's hoping that momentum uh, is not lost over the coming years. It certainly is a substantial competition that's been introduced here. And actually, Sally, that's a final question. When, when was the style of competition, global competition for women, when was it decided upon that it would happen? Was last year's World Cup the proof point for it? Or was it already underway? It was already underway. I mean, I think that's the important point on your Rugby World Cup France question and the clash, because it was uh, it was planned pre-COVID. It was conceived pre-COVID. Then it was put on ice. It had to be um, because of the issues around the world with movement and competition. So we just needed to get it back up and running as fast as we could, because with an emerging sport like this, we really needed to get this proof of concept and get it moving as fast as we could. Sally Horrocks, thanks very much. That is uh, Sally Horrocks, who is chief of women's rugby at World Rugby. So look, that, that tournament featuring the amazing teams that so thrilled you last year in the World Cup is getting underway, I think, uh, as of this weekend. We will put on our website links of a really good video explainer of how it's going to work right around the world at three tiers and also where you can buy tickets here in New Zealand to go and see those games uh, and support the next step of women's rugby and have a really great entertaining night out, no doubt.